What a great trip we've had. Man, these last few weeks have been fun as we've done this series called Mile Markers. It's just been incredible, a lot of fun. Thank you so much for following us on Instagram and Facebook and all those other platforms. We're just so glad to have done this. Here's the thing. We just got so stinking bored doing church in a video camera at the church house that we decided to go on the road. And if you missed any of the sermons for Mile Markers, you can catch them on our YouTube channel. They're a lot of fun, along with all the recaps. As you can see from the recap today, we've had a great time making this series. And I just want to thank the guys that I made go with me, they didn't have much choice. They worked for me, and they had to go. But they've had a great time, and they've been invaluable. Justin Rolant has done all the video and action shooting. Jacob Metter has done all of the uh, audio. Um, Terrace Clayton and uh, Chad Strader has narrated and kept us entertained. And then we had two guys just kind of show up at the end. One from West End, Keaton Kelly, my son. He showed up as well as West End's great leader. I mean, sorry, Missouri City's great leader. That guy's name is Nathan Bryant. And we just had a great time as the... um, as the highlight reel showed you, we climbed a creek, and we uh, jumped in a hole, and we went on a hike in an incredibly dangerous storm. It was amazing. And we came out here after we left the Biltmore house. We came out here to around uh, the Pishkin National Forest, a good friend of mine of 30 years, Charlie Patton said, come on out, and he took us hiking and camping. It was just amazing, and I've learned so much. So here we are on the final road to the final road of mile markers. And we have talked about some really important things. Mile markers are things that tell you where you are and they tell you they tell you the progress that you're making. So mile markers are important. And they're important in every relationship because every intimate relationship has to have these markers of maturity and intimacy, transparency, and movement, right? relationships can't stay stagnant. And that's especially true in your relationship with God. So we've been talking about different mile markers with God. And this is our final mile markers. We go down this journey. Here's the mile marker. I'm going to make it simple for you. It's Jesus. That's it. Jesus. Right there. And the reason I want to make it simple, this mile marker of Jesus, because in church work, here's what we do. We talk a lot about all the things you should be doing. And those are good things. And I'm usually right. Google it. Seriously, I'm pretty good. But what we miss oftentimes in our religious fervor is Jesus, the person of Jesus. And I don't want to miss that. So I want to ask you today as you watch this, I want to ask you, what is your sort of mile marker of Jesus? What's your perception? What do you think about when you think about Jesus? Is Jesus some religious idea that you ascribe to that was a historical notion that you agree with? Is Jesus some sort of fairy tale? Is Jesus what you've learned in church as your Lord and Savior, but really doesn't mean much more than that to you? Or is Jesus something more? What position does Jesus need to play as a mile marker 
in our relationship and in our life today. And I want to leave you just really with a couple of quick verses. The first verse I want to give you is when Jesus had his disciples kind of around him and everybody was conjecturing on who this person was, who Jesus was. And Jesus asked the apostle Peter, well, who do you think I am? Let me read it to you here. Let me just read it so you don't think I'm making this stuff up. This is really in the Bible. You should really read this. So he looks at uh, Peter, and, and Peter says, listen, some people are saying that you're John the Baptist, and some people are saying you're Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And Jesus, and here's the question for you and for me today, Jesus is asking, but who do you, all, what everybody else thinks doesn't matter. What matters is what you think. And so Jesus turns it and says, he says, well, who do you say? What do you say? Who do you think I am? Who am I? And Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So it establishes the person of Christ. Now, listen, here's the thing. You know my story. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know the story. I, I believed in Jesus like I believed in Muhammad or Gandhi or Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. I mean, all these dead religious folk heroes, right? And then somebody became my friend and began to tell me that that thing I was struggling with in my life, this burden, this shame, this this gotta be more feeling in life was the idea that the one who created me wanted me to know him. God wanted me to know him and that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, was buried and rose again. And it, I, I think it was a divine thing, but it hit me at the right time. It's exactly what I needed. And I didn't, as a 16-year-old, didn't understand it, but I believed it was true that Jesus died for my sins. And there was no way I was going to fool anybody into believing that I was going to be good enough to get into heaven. Heck, I wasn't even good enough to get into church. So the idea of being good enough was never an idea for me. That's why our church is the way it is. And so I believed that day that Jesus died for my sins rose again, and I began a relationship with him. And from that point at 16 to this point, 40 years later, I have struggled with this idea of the person of Jesus. I want to give you a picture here. Then the Garden of Eden was the perfect setting where God created man and woman, and they had this unity and this unbelievable access to the, to the holy God that we know of, right? And they, they, they hung out and they had a great time and all this. And then sin entered the picture and messed it up. And I, I just want to plant this ideal. From that point to this point, God has, bege- has been working to restore uh, that kind of intimate relationship with you. He, he wants you to know him unfiltered in this idea that you can have intimacy and transparency with the creator of the universe. And we know that because God sent his son, Jesus, to come so that we could have this access to the Father. And he did this because he loves us so much. 
And here's the invitation. Here's the verse I really want to get to. And let me just tell you, my friend Charlie Patton taught me this 30-some-on years ago. And I've taken these 30 years to try to figure out what this means. Okay, let me read it to you. It's in, it's in John chapter, I mean, sorry, Matthew chapter 11. And it says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, we read that verse, and it could almost be like a bumper sticker for Christians, you know? And what we focus on is the all those who are burdened and heavy laden. I'm not even sure what heavy laden means, quite frankly. But the point we miss is the invitation that Jesus gives to each and every one of you. This is the invitation for you. This is the mile marker. This is the point in your relationship where Jesus is not some historical figure or some sort of mythological character or some sort of religious idea, but Jesus becomes real to you. Here's the invitation. Don't miss it. It's really three easy words. Ready? They're going to be on the screen right here. Read them with me wherever you're watching this. Here we go. Ready? Come to me. That's what God wants more than anything else from you. He wants you to take the initiative and move yourself toward him. He's already moved himself toward us. He's made it possible for a friendship with him. And now he's saying, come to me. You know why he's asking you and inviting you to come to him? Because he's not going to force himself upon you. You see, any intimate relationship is not controlling. And God's not going to be controlling with you, but he opened this unbelievable invitation, come to me. Come to me. Come on. Take off. Move in my direction. Come on. I don't know what that means, quite frankly. I just know it is an unbelievable opportunity. And I like to focus on the second part, all those who are weary and burdened and heavy laden and all that, because I can relate to that. And so can you. During these COVID season, are you burdened with that? Is that a major pain for you? It is for me. So we think that God's role, because we misread this verse, God's role in our life is to take away all our pain right? To, to relieve all of our burden. This invitation, because God knows that we're so burdened and heavy laden, he's saying the answer is me, not what I do, but who I am, but who I am. So come to me, come hang out with me, come talk to me, come ask your questions of me. Open your Bible and read about me. Learn about me. All that stuff. It's an invitation. And somehow, and I don't quite know how this works because it just does. Here's how it works. Jesus says, come to me and I'm going to do something in your life. And it's who he is that lifts our burdens. It's not necessarily what he does. 
I've read this verse for years that says, come to me all who are burdened and heavy laden. And so I thought that was like a promise from God. You know how religious systems get in place, preachers on the TV, they tell you all the great things you're supposed to be doing so you can get God's blessing. Well, these systems will really mess you up. Because the ideal here from a religious system standpoint is, well, if you're burdened and heavy laden, well, you just go to Jesus and he's going to change your circumstances and change your life and take away all your problems. And that's the way the systems work. It's sort of a cause and effect. Oh, you're tired? Go to Jesus. He'll take things out of your life that make you tired and he'll give you things in your life that will energize you. Listen to me. That's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. You see, it's not what Jesus does that he's inviting us to. It's who he is. It is his presence that lifts our burdens without any of our circumstances having to change. It is his presence. It is the person of Jesus Christ that takes away our weariness and our burden in life. It is not what he does. I liken it to you know, great friends or, uh, or even your parents or, or somebody you love, your spouse. You know how you're having a difficult day, a, a, a tough day, a hard day, and there's just something so therapeutic about being in the presence of somebody who cares about you so much. And that person, generally speaking, cannot fix your problems. But just being with them is so helpful in life and gives you perspective. That's one of the things I've loved about this trip, being up here with these guys from the church. We've had countless hours on the road, a thousand miles on the road, just to be with each other. And it's been uncomfortable to have five grown men in the cab of my pickup truck, but being together has been unbelievably powerful and helpful just to be together. And then my son shows up and Nathan Bryan shows up. These people, I don't know how they got an airline ticket out here, but they show up. And then the best for all for me is hanging out with Charlie Patton. Just being, he can't fix any of my problems. Heck, he doesn't even know what he's doing half the time. But who he is is so enriching to my soul. I mean, the guy's half crazy. You saw the highlight reel, right? But just being with a friend like Charlie who cares about me and will speak truth and love on me and let me be me is so helpful. That's the idea. That's the idea. That you can go to Jesus without the expectation that he's going to solve all your problems. It's who he is, not not exactly what he does. And, and I don't want to take that away from you because it may be the only thing you're hanging on to. But listen, <clears throat> God is going to work and God is going to act. It could be in your heart, in your thinking, in your vision, in your perspective, or it could be in your circumstances. It, it didn't matter. What matters is the fact that Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the idea. Christ is in you. He's the hope. Not what he does, but he's the hope. Here's the second invitation. I got to finish because I get off this busy road. (laughs) Okay. He says, come to me. And then he says, 
Learn from me. These are the mile markers. Learn from me. It is in the presence of Christ that transformation begins to occur in our life. Come to me. Learn from me. That's what he wants you to do. And what we want is a system. I don't know about you, but I, I guess it's because of the information age. We want a system. We want to know which buttons to push to get God to wave the magic wand in order to work in our life. And that's why all of us, at some point in our life, if you walk with God with some sense of authenticity, you're going to be disappointed with God because God doesn't do all the things you're supposed to be doing, he, He's supposed to be doing for you, and He doesn't do all the things you want Him to do. He wants you to experience who He is, who He is. Let me read one more verse to you, and then I'll be done. Jesus says in John chapter 6, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Don't miss those first two words. I am. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, there it is again. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I've told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. All those, all those the Father gives me will come to me. There it is again. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. It's crazy to think about this. And I, I'll finish this. I'm fired up. I've been on the road for a long time. So please, here's the deal. Jesus wants you to come to him and learn from him because he's the one. It's him. He's the bread of life. He's the one that sustains your life and sustains your soul. It's not what he does. It's who he is. And I know, I, I know I'm taken away because I'm so pragmatic. If God doesn't work, what's the use? Right? If God's not going to work and answer my prayers the way I want and when I want, what's the use? And the reality is, God's plan is so much better than yours, and he wants to be something for you and not just do something for you. This is when your relationship with your creator gets off the pages of some historical religion and becomes intimately personal for you and your family. This is the thing that doesn't make you into some sort of crazy person that has to quote scripture all the time. This is the idea that Jesus loves you and he wants you to go on this journey with him through your life and you get to choose. Come to me. Come to me. And I know, here's the thing, here it is. When I started going to church late in high school, I thought this whole relationship with Jesus was about me doing more. Because every time I showed up at church, there was more on the list for me to do. And there was a few things on the list that I knew I should stop doing. You know what I'm talking about? And I've realized that this whole, this is revolutionary. This whole idea of a relationship with God isn't about me. It's about Jesus. It's about me knowing him and learning from him and coming to him. Jesus isn't wanting us to just perform 
so that he can be pleased. He accepts you just the way you are. Even, listen, even if you don't believe in Jesus, you should try this. You should try, come to me. You should say, okay, God, here I am. Just in your head space or have a conversation out loud. People will think you're nuts, but do this and see what happens in your life. Are you real? Most people have rejected Christianity because of the list they think they have to lift up to, live up to versus the person of Jesus. And I just want you to take a look as we finish this mile marker series. Where are you with him? I know if I say, ask you the question, how's your relationship with God? The temptation you're going to have right now is to tell me, well, I should be praying more. I should be reading my Bible more. I should be going to church when it opens up. I should be giving more. I should be helping the poor more. I should, I should, I should, I should, and all this stuff. You're missing the point. The point is Jesus. So how are you doing with Jesus? You should come to me, he says. Not only will I do something amazing in your life, you'll learn something amazing for your life. I hope you've enjoyed the Mile Marker series. Uh, It's been awesome. Next week, we start at the Missouri City campus with live services, and it's going to be an awesome time. I can't wait to see you again. God bless you. Let's have a prayer, and then uh, we'll move on with your day, whatever you're doing. All right, let me pray for us. Father in heaven, may we not miss Jesus for some religious system that we can control. But may we be in an intimate, fluid relationship built upon grace and mercy and love. And may we lean in more and more so that we can learn more, so we can be transformed from the inside out. So much of what we believe has to do with my behavior and what I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm letting you down. And I'm just relieved today that I'm not letting you down at all and you're not disappointed at all and you love me. And if you're out there and you're not sure about Christ, right now, where you are, you should invite him into your life. If you're ready to do this, just say, God, forgive me. I believe Jesus died for me and was buried again. These aren't magic words. This is just your heart to God. God, forgive me. I want to follow you. Golly. Father, thank you for making it so simple that we miss it, so easy. And I just pray that we all would not miss Jesus in the midst of our version of Christianity. And we just pray, God, that we would come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you next week at the Missouri City Campus or online as we start a brand new series called Be Rich.